You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com, the largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Barallo. Good evening, Jet Nation Radio. This is your host uh, coming back from underneath the rock I crawled under, Alex Ferrallo, and I'm happy to be joined with our buddy Dylan. Uh, Glenn will not be joining us tonight, but this is the first time Dylan and I are on the pod, so I'm very excited. Uh, Dylan, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing great, Alex. Thanks. <clears throat> very happy to have you back and uh, excited to dive into the show for the first time together. It's going to be exciting. I hear you, man. And, and this is what we do. We grab, we're, we're reaching for straws here as we're going through one of the most difficult seasons in franchise history, but we're still going to try to find some ways to bring a little bit of positivity to our listeners tonight, even though everything seems to be, you know, burning down around us. So let's just go. Mm-hmm. I'm going to quickly give the listeners a preview of what we're going to be getting into tonight. Um, we are obviously going to be touching upon the beatdown that happened in Kansas City last Sunday. Uh, Dylan and I will be giving uh, our takeaways of players who we felt that stood out and those who struggled. We'll talk about Avery Williamson's trade and the compensation that the Jets got. Uh, We also want to touch upon some uh, interesting topics of conversation that have happened, one of them with Quinn and Williams and a response that came from uh, Bucky, Brooks the other day, so we'll get into that. We're going to talk about Joe Douglas's presser, and we're even going to cover a question that we recently got from Jet Nation Radio as well. And before we leave tonight, we'll have to talk about number 14, the man, Sam Darnold, and his future. Um, and then, of course, we'll have to talk about our opponent on Monday Night Football, the New England Patriots. Just kind of crazy how an 0 and 18 is getting a primetime spot, spot uh, excuse me, um, spot like that at this point. But um, it is what it is. Um, all right. So before we get too far ahead here, um, want to go out and give a shout out to our sponsor, Mile Social. Um, if you're looking to get your company, uh, you know, a bigger, uh, you know, view on social media as far as advertising, web design, management, and search engine optimization, Mile Social is your go-to plan here. You can follow following them at M-I-L-E-S-O-C-I-A-L.com, milesocial.com. And before we go ahead and jump into our conversations here, if any listeners out there want to call into the show tonight and interact with Dylan and I, please give us a call at 646-716-4697. Again, that is 646-716-4697. I also tweeted that. So if you guys are following us on Twitter, uh, I tweeted that link to the show and to the call-in as well. Uh, Okay, so let's get right into it, Dylan. Um, I'd like to start with the injuries that we've been going through on the team The Jets haven't officially posted um, this week's situation, as you and I discussed before we got on air tonight. Um, But let's just go ahead, and I'm going to throw it over to you. Why don't you give us a little bit of a glimpse of what's going on with some of the, uh, you know, more focal players on the team? Okay, so first off, um, coming out of the post-game press conference, the biggest two names I came away with, um, that Gates spoke about were Quinnen Williams. He said he had a hamstring issue uh, midway through the game. Um, of course, in jet fashion, he ended up coming back out onto the field and finishing the game. So I believe they'll just monitor him throughout the week. We do have an extra day playing on Monday night. So we'll just monitor him as the injury reports come in. And then the other big one was, of course, Sam Darnold. He was injured on a third down run he got smashed up in between two defenders and hurt his right shoulder again I believe he 
took MRIs or is taking MRIs. So I'm sure that'll be the focal point of tomorrow's press conference with uh, Coach Gates. So um, we're just going to monitor those two big injuries there. Uh, hopefully we'll get Jamison Crowder back from his groin injury. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, he and I believe was another injury with his groin. That was one to monitor, but the way Castillo's playing, who knows? Um, I believe that's, that's it for the injuries. Um, as yep, far as I could think. Those would be, yep. Those are the, the big ones right there. Of the, you know, the players that, um, you know, that we were expecting to, you know, contribute to the offensive production. Um, I believe uh, Brashard Perriman um, is also under the concussion protocol. Obviously more news will come out tomorrow on that. So that's another player that, you know, yep. clearly uh, Joe Douglas, you know, was anticipating to get similar production um, out of him. Like we had with Robbie Anderson. Um, clearly, you know, that hasn't, come to fruition. Um, and the old line is a little banged up as well. Um, you know, Beckton is playing through, you know, his shoulder issues, but, you know, clearly from what we've seen from last week, the way he was manhandling some guys on the defensive line, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, his uh, that's behind him at this point. Um, we know that Andrews and Alex Lewis and, and McGovern are also a little banged up at this time. So uh, the Jets are not as, injured um, as they were uh, about a month ago. Uh, you know, a few players are starting to come back. Uh, but, you know, like all teams, they're just working through uh, adversity. So uh, let's uh, go right into the recap of the beatdown in Kansas City. Um, you know, my perspective on this here, um, you know, just looking at, you know, the, the good and the bad here. Um, I was a little shocked to see how well the offense had moved the ball um, with their in the first half. Uh, we didn't punt the ball until the second half. Um, I believe our first uh, offensive series in the second half. So the Jets were moving the ball. They were ending with scores, just not touchdowns. Um, and Sergio Castillo seemed to be on fire up until that last block field goal. Um, to end the half, which I thought they were going to take to the house, but luckily they didn't. Um, so, yeah. You Another know, great were, man, touchdown saving tackle. Yeah, you know, that, that's interesting. He's uh, making quite a little highlight reel of tackles uh, for himself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of funny that, you know, this is what <laughs> we have to look forward to is our punter, you know, blasting moon rocks, you know, 50, 60 yards and, and taking guys down with style too. So, uh, you know, definitely Quite a good pick for Joe Douglas. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But, um, you know, besides the fact that, you know, the Jets stalled out a few times in the first half, they did look to be a little bit more in rhythm uh, in, the, in the first half of the game. What was your perspective on that, Dylan? So, I think overall the, the four quarters – of first half play we've seen under Dowell Loggins. So the first half against Buffalo and the first half against Kansas city are night and day compared to anything you've seen the jets put on the field from this point. Um, It necessarily hasn't resulted in the touchdowns and the total points that we would like you alluded to it with the Castillo three field goals and the, the block field goal as well. We would like to turn those into touchdowns, but I think overall, Gase um, probably should not over uh, retake the play calling duties from Doel, and I think that Loggins has uh, turned the 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 needle a little bit in the right direction for the offense. You want to see it finish out games, come out of the half, and really make the adjustments and the adjustments to the adjustments um, that the other team will make as well. So overall, you have to be impressed with it. Not enough to get us out of the basement like we'd like. But, again, we're clutching at straws here at week eight going into week nine. So, Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and it's been the tale of, you know, something that we've seen in the past to where, you know, the Jets either come out in the first half sluggish and then they pick up in the second half, but it's too late for them to, you know, make anything out of the game. And then we see the team that comes out looking good in the first half, and then they look abysmal in the second half. Um, you know, mainly a couple of weeks ago when they had that four yards of production 
um, in the second half, which is, just seems quite impossible to do. Um, but, you know, oh, we've yeah. got to forge forward here. Um, you know, it's actually good that you have brought it. up the, uh, the fast start, slow start. Sorry. Um, I was watching yeah. uh, NFL Network and the Patriots-Bills rerun was on, and uh, a graphic came up that in the first quarter, the Patriots are dead last in offensive touchdowns, yards per, per game in the first quarter, and uh, I think it was total points. So if the Jets can come out hot like we have in the last two games, I think there's a chance to really come out and establish a lead. I mean, we had a lead um, on Buffalo, gave it up, of course, but if we can come out to a maybe 7, 10, 14-point lead against New England, who knows what can happen on Sunday. So I'm glad you brought up the fast and slow start. Yes, you know, absolutely. That's going to be critical. Um, you know, we've been so focused on our own team and the horrificness that we've been seeing that I don't know if, you know, people have been paying attention to the two and five Patriots. Um, but, you know, we'll save all that for, for the back end of the show here. Um, but, yeah, you know, at this point, you know, any given Sunday, maybe any given Monday, um, you know, maybe this team – you know, surprises us. And I know for the tankathon, you know, people don't want to hear that. But at the end of the day, right. you know, I want to see some sort of progress somewhere. Um, I want to see the Jets try to develop some sort of an identity, um, whether it be, you know, a, a new running style team with, with the young guy, P. Ryan, or, um, you know, we're going to be a team that takes shots down the field with our playmaker um, and Denzel Mims, you know, the Jets have to establish something um, going into the 2021 season rather than, you know, people like us trying to speculate glimpses of hope that, that fizzle out. Um, but I, I want to do some takeaways here um, from the Kansas City game. Were there any players um, that stood out to you that, you know, people just are not talking about these days, um, good or bad, um, you know, who stood out to you, Dylan? Uh, the the main person that I think no one has been talking too much about lately that stood out to me uh, is John Franklin Myers. Uh, lately, he has been generating a little bit more buzz. Uh, Baldy's breakdown highlighted a play. He had a nice uh, tackle on uh, Le'Veon Bell. So, I mean, I've been really impressed with this guy. I said it last week um, <clears throat> on the show that he comes from a team that was loaded with talent around him with uh, Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue, Michael Brockers. So this is a guy who has all the tools to be anything uh, Greg Williams asked him to be really, you've seen him stand up on the edge. You've seen him down in the dirt next to Quinnen. And I, I mean, run past, I think he's a three down lineman for this team going forward. So I'm really impressed with him uh, offensively other than Makai Becton throwing people all over the field it's hard to really get a a great positive out of it but I mean Beckton alone has to make you smile as a Jets fan um uh, but on the negative side I think Avery Williamson I know we just traded him but last week against the Chiefs he did not look good kind of the theme of the season just let up a play underneath sure his tackles look great every week making eight, 10 tackles a game, but that's because he's letting the guy catch it in front of him every single time. So he was a big negative that I took away from this game. I'm not sure if you had any other negatives or positives to add to that, but I thought Avery was a negative for sure. Definitely. Um, you know, for me, um, obviously Makai Becton is just a human highlight reel these days. Um, it seems like uh, he's really, really, uh, ahead of his rookie class at this point in time as as far as, um, you know, playing consistent and not looking like a rookie who's inexperienced. Uh, you know, to quote the statistician wizard, Michael Mania, uh, Becton and George Fant, who's another guy that I don't think it's talked about uh, enough, uh, combined for two pressures over, you know, 68 snaps, um, protection snaps, that is. And uh, that's, uh, you know, that was seventh best uh, among tackle duos um, last week. So, you know, there's, there's some good play coming off the offensive line here. Not everything's a disaster. Um, you know, like you and I were talking about off air, 
it really seems that the guard positions right now uh, are where we seem to be uh, struggling the most. Uh, McGovern, I think, is a little bit, uh, you know, is feeling the the detrimental, you know, trickle effect of the play around him uh, because Alex Lewis was a backup that was promoted to starter. Um, Greg Van Roten, um, we know that he's a New York guy or Jersey guy, um, you know, and he wants to retire as a Jet, all great things. But at the end of the day, um, you know, their play has been a little bit inconsistent. And it's something that you had uh, tweeted and mentioned um, was that, you know, GVR Roten's, uh, eligibility for this team has been pretty pretty much perfect, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah, uh, he has not missed a single snap all year. Uh, he went down in a game, and I believe it was a, a play where they were coming off the field, so he was able to come right back the next series. But yeah, he's been Mr. Reliable as far as availability, which I think is a, a player's best asset or best um, trait is availability. So if you can stay on the field it's hard to argue with giving up your position to someone, especially a rookie who has already been hurt, who doesn't know uh, the chemistry of the offensive line, like a Cam Clark. So, I mean, we'll see going forward, but from the production standpoint, the guards do not look good. Yep, uh, for sure. And um, just to quickly, you know, mention a couple players that stood out to me. Um, Obviously Denzel Mims. Um, the last two weeks, he's made a couple nice acrobatic catches. Unfortunately, it seems to be that we see that in the first half, and we really don't see too much of him in the second half. Now, it fizzles out, could yeah. that be scheme? Could that be that the other team is doing their job and adjusting and making sure that they take away um, Darnold's best playmaker? Um, that's kind of what I'm, you know, where I would go to on this one here. Um, you know, I didn't. I haven't been doing the deep dives and watching the games, you know, 10 to 15 times a week like I used to. It's just uh, makes me a little nauseous these days. Things have just been uh, just so bad. I mean, you know, we did talk about some positive things that the offense had done, but defensively, when you're looking at that juggernaut offense of Kansas City, it really, really looked like a varsity team playing against a junior varsity team. Um, They were running – trick plays and wide receiver jet sweeps and they were doing shovel passes and Mahomes did this underhand bowling throw that I've never even seen before. I kind of, you know, did a double take when he did that, but you know, when you're going up against one of the best offensive teams in the league and you have a player like that's as special as Patrick Mahomes, I guess that's to be expected, but uh, it still was a little scary to see how, you know, how much our defense has been struggling this year. Um, Clearly, um, you know, departing with Jamal Adams has hurt us, you know, not having CJ Mosley in the middle kind of being that defensive captain that we anticipated him to be has also hurt us big time. Um, And, you know, that's going to bring us into our next topic of conversation because it looks like we're going to be looking at, some new faces um, or a new face that is coming out of the middle linebacker position. The Jets had traded away Avery Williamson before the deadline. And uh, Dylan, why don't you uh, go ahead and give our listeners the compensation that we got out of that deal? Sure. So uh, the full compensation in the Avery to Pittsburgh trade was the Jets send Avery and a 2022 seventh round pick in return, we only get a 2022 fifth-round pick. But I think as far as a production standpoint, like we were talking about a little bit earlier with Williamson, I think it's a, a move for Joe Douglas to just move on from a player who is taking up snaps from younger players, uh, possibly a Blake Cashman or a Bryce Hager, who they elevated to the active roster this week. Um so, I mean, you you got to stockpile these picks one way or another, and Avery Williamson simply wasn't getting it done. I did a quick PFR dive on him and his advanced defensive stats right before we went on, and in coverage, he has been thrown at 33 times. He's allowed 31 catches, which is 93.9% completion percentage. 
314 yards, which is 10.1 yards per reception, a quarterback rating of 93.7, and the the worst stat of all, which was 206 yards of yak. And I think that's the most um, damning stat on there. Um, And I think if you can get a fifth-round pick for those types of stats, like I just said, you you have to do it at an 0-8 position. But it gives him a chance to compete as well. Pittsburgh's undefeated, so he goes from worst to first overnight. So kudos to him. He was a team player through and through. His entire injury, he was a team player. So he'll he'll be missed, but those those reps will definitely be used wisely, hopefully going forward. Right, and you know that was kind of the I think when they brought him in, you know some people will say we made a mistake of letting Demario Davis go. We were kind of expecting to Twice. get a similar player, just a little bit younger, um, but. We we definitely hosed Demario Davis for his coverage ability against running backs and tight ends. Uh, we were always mm-hmm. looking at the back of his jersey during those days, and and that's one of the reasons why he's no longer with us. But um, you know, it's been a great story, and for him, um, you know, within recent years, it really seems like he's uh, blossomed down in New Orleans. So, um, kind of a theme it, it seems like with some of these Jet players that leave our teams, and and you know do good things elsewhere. That's unfortunately the nature of the beast of this business. But uh, mm-hmm. I have the depth chart in front of me here. And from what I'm seeing right now, our four interior inside linebackers are Blake Cashman, Neville Hewitt, Bryce Hager, who I believe was just activated recently, and Harvey Lange. So a little thin at the inside linebacker position. Um, I guess you could anticipate – a little bit more of, uh, you know, Blake Cashman getting into the mix. And who knows, um, you know, Jordan Jenkins was dealing with a little bit of an injury not too long ago, but if he's healthy, maybe we'll be looking at more of Jordan Jenkins and Bryce Huff on the outside. And who knows, maybe Terrell Basham might kick inside for a little bit and and rotate inside and out. Um, As we know, uh, Greg Williams has a lot of different packages and schemes that he likes to, to throw out there. So I'm definitely curious to see what, what Greg Williams has in store and how he transitions um, with the departure of Avery Williamson here. All right. So, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Go ahead, Dylan. I was just going to say, absolutely. I mean, um, the linebackers we have behind him on the depth chart, you, you just said Cashman, Hager and Lange. I mean, we haven't seen anything from Cashman. He got hurt after three snaps of the Buffalo game week one. So Jets fans have kind of been on the edge of their seat waiting to see what he could be. Um, Bryce Hager's only come in off the practice squad. Excuse my dog in the background. Uh, The last two weeks, he's been elevated off the practice squad playing mostly special teams. So, I mean, we don't really know what we'll see from him. I hope it doesn't come down to Lange on the inside matched with Hewitt because while I was doing my Williamson dive, I looked at Hewitt for comparison, and uh, Avery had two missed tackles, and Hewitt has eight already this season. So I don't think Hewitt is a, a, a mainstay at that position. I think they're going to look to move on from him in the future. But overall, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Greg Williams fields these players moving forward. You know, it it, it really, really intrigues me here because if you look at the dynamics of kind of where our strength is, if you want to say that we have a strength on the defense, um, you'd probably look at the defensive line at this point. And I'm just wondering if it would be better, you know, by subtracting and adding a defensive lineman and and kind of converting into a little bit more of a modified 4-3. We know. I think we could see that um, actually with Zuniga a little bit more coming exactly. into the fold. I think we might be able to see that with Zuniga, yep. With him, you know, the young rookie, which I believe was one of the third-round picks that Joe Douglas had taken this year. Um, yep. You know, we haven't seen um, anything from him at all. So, you know, possibly a, a good, healthy rotation with Quinnen Williams, John Franklin Myers, uh, Fo Lorenzo Fadokasi, Henry Anderson, and Zuniga and Nate Shepard. You know, with those six guys rotating in, you know, in a four-man front, who knows? Maybe that's possibly 
what we see more of um, and less linebackers on the field, um, which may not be, you know, the worst thing in the world. You know, that might lead a little bit more for the safeties to do as far as coverage ability. Um, You know, it'll be really interesting because it kind of seems like we don't really have the personnel on the defensive side to, to run an effective man defense and kind of pin our ears back and go after the quarterback. Um, it really seems like we're playing a lot of zone coverage. Um, we're off the line of scrimmage, and we're trying to keep everything in front of us because, uh, you know, certain players, uh, you know, have, have shown some uh, coverage breakdowns um, over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, two that stand out to me now, um, bless Austin, um, got burned for a big play last week. Um, looks like he mm-hmm. was kind of split in a cover two zone um, uh, defensive look. And, you know, he was looking like he was going to cover the flat. Very good play ran by Kansas City. Um, but then he gets, lets the guy run free um, over him. The safety young rookie Ashton Davis can't, can't come over to help. Um, you know, he had some struggles too, but, when you have a young rookie out there in his first start going against one of the best offensive teams in the league, uh, you know, it was kind of uh, something that I had anticipated, you know, that the young rookie was going to take his lumps that day, and, and he sure did. Uh, so, you know, it's really yeah, interesting. absolutely. Yeah, because uh, at this point, you know, like Joe Douglas had said, um, with the with the roster, you know, seeing – seems like, you know, we've departed from, you know, some big-name guys, Lev Bell, Steve McClendon, Avery Williamson, Jordan Willis. Now we should start seeing a little bit more of the youth movement going forward. We're 0-8. What's the point of giving a veteran, you know, let's say like Henry Anderson, who's going to be on the last year of his contract next year, um, more snaps than, let's say, a healthy Zuniga? Um, Really don't see – that being, um, you know, a good plan uh, moving forward, especially if the Jets are not looking to obtain Henry Anderson next year, because I was looking at his contract last night, and he's due $9.5 million, uh, next season, and the Jets can save near yeah. eight point something and change. So very, very likely that the Jets look to depart ways with Henry Anderson next year and save $8 million. So if that is what you're looking at down the line, um, what is the benefit of, you know, giving him more snaps in Zuniga? I can't see it, you know, from my perspective. And, um, you know, hopefully that's the, the mentality moving forward is let's see, you know, what, what, how much juice we can squeeze from these young players. Exactly. I mean, okay. I think I think when you talk about Zuniga, that's going to be an intriguing matchup to watch throughout the rest of the season. It's going to be him versus Henry Anderson as far as snaps, because Henry Anderson, he had a decent game against Kansas City, but that might have been his best game of the year, and it wasn't anything too spectacular. You know, uh, two solo tackles, a quarterback hit. He had a nice fourth down stop on Le'Veon Bell. So you would love to see Zuniga get – more involved. He had only nine snaps in this game, but that should definitely increase. And then going back to Ashton Davis, I don't think many people realize this, but Ashton Davis played 100% of the defensive snaps. He was on the field for all 66 defensive snaps last week. So if that is your first full NFL game against the Chiefs offense, I mean, you have to expect not the greatest from him. And yeah, he got burnt by Tyreek Hill. He can be added to the long list of players that have been burned by Tyreek Hill before. So, I mean, going forward, you like to see that he was on the field hundred percent. You want to see him stay healthy and hopefully it just gets better from there. Yep. Totally agree. And what this is going to do here, let me just check on the board here. We're at 30 minutes and we're doing pretty good. Um, So our next topic that we're going to transition to here is um, a a young player that has had the heat lamp on him since last season. And I'm talking about Quinnen Williams. This was a player that was drafted third overall and was comp to Aaron Donald, which I feel is not fair because that guy is just a freak of nature. Um, and there's a reason why there's only one of him um, in the league, but Bucky Brooks took a shot at him uh, just recently and said that, you know, he's been uh, 
a little bit of a disappointment. And I know that you wrote some notes on that, so I'll, I'll throw that your way. Why don't you break down for the listeners here on what Brookie, uh, sorry, what Bucky had to say about Quinnen? Sure. So it started with a tweet about how Quinnen Williams has been not impactful or productive in the Jets offense this year. And then Quinnen's agent, Nicole Lynn, actually tweeted back at him and asked just for some type of evidence, it seemed like, like, hey, where's this claim coming from? Because he's like one of the most up-and-coming run-stuffing defenders in this league, and he's been getting after the passer at a higher clip than last year. And to that, Bucky Brooks quote tweeted an article with, what I thought was a completely bogus Adam Gase quote about not having consistency in Quinnen Williams and Quinnen then fired back on Bucky Brook quote, you'd make a great coach because you know me so well with multiple laughing, crying emojis. So I believe Quinnen isn't really too bothered or too phased by what Bucky had to say, but for someone like Bucky Brooks to come out and say that without possibly watching the film on Quinnen this year and just copy and pasting a quote to Adam Gase. I think it's kind of uh, like weak reporting in a way, because that's just not, especially being the draft guys that him and DJ are like, that's just not really their character to do that. So it's very strange coming from him, but all in all, we're glad Quinnen handled it well. He also had a funny trade deadline last night said hey I want everybody to have it come from me first I needed to make an announcement and he went to his IG page and it was just a gotcha so we like to see that it's all smiles coming from the Quinn and camp right now uh, definitely and um, you know what's interesting is uh, you know it what can happen from one week to the next and right now among all defensive linemen in the league Quinnen has 24 stops, and he's second with 10 run stops. So, you know, to Bucky's point, you know, he was drafted as a pass rusher from the interior aspect, not a run stopper. But, you know, at this point, when you have a player that's as young as he is that was behind a lot of talent in Alabama, and when he got the opportunity to get into the starting lineup, he really blossomed you know, one of the things that Bucky, Bucky had said was, um, you know, this guy might have just been a flash in the pan, a one-year wonder when he was at Alabama. And it's interesting. Maybe he was having a little buyer's remorse because I do remember him speaking very highly of him. I believe he was one of the people that gave him that Aaron Donald comp. So maybe he was just feeling a little bitter um, that this guy hasn't had, you know, a 20-sack season in, you know, a year and a half of play yet which is right, absurd yeah. to expect a player of that position to do that kind of, you know, uh, put up those kind of numbers, um, especially where he's, you know, allocated. Absolutely. And just one more thing, just going back to the draft of Quinn and Williams, I remember a lot of Jets fans had uh, argued that if they were to go interior defensive linemen at the number three spot, they were arguing for Ed Oliver, uh, who ended up going to Buffalo a few spots later. <clears throat> and I'm just looking at PFF grades right now, which just to get a ballpark for the discussion. And Quinnen right now is graded at a total grade of 71.8, which is 31st uh, interior lineman. So not the greatest, but then you look down at, at Oliver, <clears throat> excuse me, and he's 108th and his grade is 45.4. So 25 point tick. And Quinnen Williams is favor there. So I think the Jets made the, the right choice and just hold on a little bit. He'll, he'll come in and, and blossom soon. Yep. And, you know, here's the thing is that the Jets have not done a great job, you know, shocking hot take here, um, prioritizing the edge position and making sure that they have somebody that can be a viable threat on passing situations. Once they finally address that particular need on this team, you will see more of an uptick in hurries, pressures, hits, and sacks from, from everybody as far as I'm concerned. Because once you find the guy that 
offensive linemen and, and quarterbacks are going to have to say, and you know, make, make adjustments and say, all right, this guy's coming, you know, move the running back over to, to help out and put a little chip block on that guy. That's going to open up lanes for other players. Um, and, you know, we can already start to see some flashes from Quinnen. Um, he had that one play where it almost looked like he jumped off sides. He was in the backfield so fast. And that's the reason why the Jets got him is because he has this, this burst off the line of scrimmage. And, and when he gets, you know, good leverage, inside leverage on, you know, the offensive lineman, um, you know, the only way to stop him is to hold him and get a penalty. Um, so I'm glad to starting to see that, you know, this, is, this might be some ammo that the media has loaded up in, into his, um, you know, weapon here, which is kind of a weird thing that I'm saying that with what happened in offseason. But, you know, we're the people that have given him the harsh criticism, you know, I don't know if he's actually putting those uh, articles or those tweets or those comments up in his locker room as a reminder and, and as motivation, but he clearly has listened or saw some of the things that people have said about him. And I, I hope that keeps – you know, him motivated to continue to just be a dominant interior defensive lineman because that's where I do think he's going to be. Um, you know, he's so young, um, you know, he's still developing, and I'd really, really like to see what he looks like coming into next season with two years under his belt. And, um, you know, maybe year three will be the year where, you know, he's flirting with double-digit sacks and things like that. So I don't think – I definitely think it's too soon to put any sort of stamp on Quinn and Williams with, you know, is he a draft buster? Is he not? Um, I think it's just way too soon to do that. But um, exactly. now we're going to have to get um, in. And yeah. I was going to say just to uh, help segue a little bit, we can uh, kind of use Joe Douglas's words to um, apply to the Quinn and Williams situation. Uh, yesterday, Joe Douglas just, said a lot of we haven't supplied Sam Darnold with the proper talent around him and I think the same can be said for Quinn and Williams the the um, the players around him are not difference makers Quinn has to be the difference maker and you said he's the one opening up the lanes for these other players like Bryce Huff who has been a very big surprise and we all love him as Jets fans he's been great so I think if you can get that edge guy to match with Quinn or another down linemen even, I think that will really just open up the lanes for Quinnen as well to just become that dominant pass rusher as well as run stopper. Yep, and I'm glad you brought that up because Joe Douglas is next on the list here. Um, Mm -hmm. Very interesting um, the way things went yesterday. Um, One thing I will say is that Joe Douglas is a man of character, and uh, he definitely went up there and did the accountable thing. Um, he took a lot of ownership for the failures that happened this year. I don't think it's entirely on him, um, you know, being that uh, we have a, a head coach that's struggling to, you know, get the most production out of his offensive players. We have a defensive coach that uh, has not been as effective as they were last year, and we were anticipating. Uh, at least, you know, in the past, the Jets were always a defensive team. Uh, first, and then, you know, it's what could the offense do to keep them in the game? <laughs> Excuse me. So, you know, this year, um, everything is upside down. And, uh, but it was good that Joe came out there and he addressed it. A lot of it was, you know, a lot of rhetoric, some coach speak. Uh, but what was your initial reaction from Joe Douglas and, and some of the things that he said yesterday? Uh, similar to you, I had that take everything at face value kind of mentality going into it. Um, He said all the things that you would expect him to say. I personally didn't think he was going to come out and immediately bash Adam Gase. I know a lot of fans would love to hear it from Joe Douglas. Uh, Maybe after they move on from Gase, you'll hear a little bit more. I don't think Joe Douglas is that type of person. Um, But overall, I think you have to come away slightly excited. I know You can't be too thrilled about everything he said, but the one thing that really stuck with me was that he said he's excited to bring in the right type of people, meaning coaches, and putting together comprehensive comprehensive player development plans. And I thought that that was something, one, that we just haven't heard as 
Jets fans before. I can't remember Mike McCagnan speaking like that. Idzik, I mean, I know that's the whole key is drafting and player development, but I just, I feel like the plan that Joe Douglas is bringing from Baltimore is just different. It's going to look different. It's, it might take a little bit longer to come to fruition, but I think he has a plan and he's going to stick to it. And that's what we heard last night. Yeah. And what's interesting is something that has been, um, I feel like the weekly plug-in for Robbie Anderson here, because we keep seeing him doing, um, you know, things that we've, we've already seen and known him um, to be. And, and it looks like Matt rule, uh, is utilizing him in a way different manner um, and really, really exemplifying his talents. Um, so it looks like Joe Douglas was uh, had a little bit of resentment in their analysis of Robbie's potential, and it does seem that he regrets the fact that he didn't cough up the extra couple million dollars to bring him back. Um, how do you feel about that uh, with his uh, his comments on Robbie? Yeah, I think those comments, they were very strong comments. And I feel like you, if you watch the video of it, you kind of saw in Joe Douglas's face a little bit of sadness when he was actually speaking about it. Um, he, he said he thought about it a lot, and he thought that they could have done better. He said that the guys did a bad job assessing the market value on certain players, especially him. They thought he would get top dollar on the market. And he said that's on him moving forward to get it right. Um, and then the other thing that stuck out was a quote that said, he doesn't want to be in the business of losing good players. Um, so I think from that, you have to gain. Mm. Sure, he let Robbie walk out the door, and a lot of fans loved him. But if this doesn't happen again, if he doesn't let these good players walk out the door again, I think we can chalk it up to a, a learning experience for Joe Douglas in the end. You know, and and that's one thing that we seem to forget is that, you know, this is really his first year as a GM. He came into the situation last year at the end of training camp, and, you know, he made a couple moves here and there that, you know, pinpoint and and critique if we wanted to. But at the end of the day, he was absorbing a 4-12 and team with a very young and experienced quarterback um, and, you know, a, a... a city that is so demanding and so impatient. Um, I think, you know, we often forget that, that when you're coming in and you're trying to build something new and it, you know, right now the foundation is, you know, all but, you know, ripped up at this point. Um, And now it's going to be him building his own, uh, you know, team. And we've seen, you know, a lot of the former GM and head coaches guys part, you know, leave the team. And now it looks like, you know, he's really going forward with his guys. Um, And it's not just something that you can, you know, do a quick fix on in a a few months, especially with the pandemic that's going on, no preseason, limited time with the players. Um, The Jets had a lot of turnover this year with, um, I think they were one of, we had like the most free agents or we had the most roster spots to fill going into the off season with the way that Mike McCagney had structured some of these contracts. So he had a lot of work to do. The Jets didn't get a lot of time to work with these new guys. And clearly O and eight shows that, you know, the Jets have suffered the most um, in a, in a year where, you know, some, this is some of the highest scoring that we've seen statistically um, and other teams, you know, that have been built properly have been able to get through this, this uh, you know, tough transition of 2020, but clearly the Jets were not able to adapt, and, and they are struggling. Um, exactly. Is there anything else and, uh, that Joe said that we should touch upon? Yeah, um, you just mentioned it with the good teams building the right way, and when asked about his vision for the team, I thought, the order, not only what he said, but the order of which he said the things I think was also important. So he said his vision for the team hasn't changed. Everything starts with the offense and defensive line um, that will lead the rest of the team. You win at the off line of scrimmage first. And then he said you add explosive playmakers, and then you need to get after the passer and have guys that can cover well. So from what I took from that mm-hmm. is – 
One, we're going to be looking at offensive and defensive line, whether that's down linemen or edge positions, whether that's interior or tackles on the offensive line. So I think that's going to be the main focus heading forward into the draft. And then I think explosive playmakers, I think that obviously means uh, wide receivers, tight ends, running backs uh, for Sam or whoever the quarterback will be. And then guys who can get after the passer and cover well. So linebackers and corners. So I think those are going to be the strong points moving forward for Joe Douglas to actually hit on. We should see an offensive line possibly that looks different. It's going to add at least one rookie in a high draft pick this year, maybe a, a, a high market free agent, possibly. I haven't looked at the list of offensive linemen that are going to be free agents, but they could always go out and buy one. So I think we'll see a new team next year. You mentioned it. We had a lot of free agents to, um, uh, or a lot of roster spots to fill this year. And I think next year will be the same thing with a lot of these one-year contracts. Sure. Some of them may stick around, but I think ultimately Joe Douglas wants to leave his lasting imprint on this team and have a team that's 80% of the guys that he brought in and no more McCagman picks. Absolutely. And, you know, from what I'm I'm seeing here, I believe the Jets are going to have near about $100 million in free agent money next year. Um, something that I thought he said is that you can't, like, buy your way into success. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of scratched my head a little bit on that, but it's like, you know, this is the guy that, that kept $30 million rolling into the season, and you're going to have near $100 million next year. Um I'm hoping you buy some good players because um, that would be nice. You can't just have it all be yeah, come right. from the draft with inexperienced guys. So, you know, if there's a top defensive end or edge player, per se, that you can get and maybe a top corner that you can kind of just check off your list of positions that need you, you need to improve upon, um, you will hear no complaints from me, you know, if we, if we get a top-tier pass rusher and a uh, – lockdown corner out of free agency next year. I think that would be beneficial for sure. Um, and like you said, maybe a big ticket on the offensive line, you know, all those things are foundation pieces that, you know, lead to success for NFL teams. So, um, you know, all hope is not lost with Joe Douglas. Um, I've questioned him many of times, um, you know, and that, that's kind of what we do as fans. Um, you know, we, we look at every aspect, I think it's fair to, both sides to of the coin. Him. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of people that, you know, seem to get a little sensitive when we, when you critique Joe Douglas or Sam Darnold. But, you know, at this point, we just shoot it straight. That's what I do. Um, I call it how I see it. Yep. You know, not everybody likes what you have to say sometimes, but that's reality. You Can't know, hard to a couple of ways. That's it, you know. And, um, you know, I was glad, you know, like like I said earlier, that Joe addressed the, the media, um, you know, some of the comments that he made, um, which is going to be one of the topics we're going to get into, was about Trevor Lawrence and Sam Darnold. Um, but before we get into that, we had a question that came from Jet Nation Forums, and good time to plug that. If you guys um, aren't aware, um, JetNation.com has one of the most, I believe it's the number one NFL fan site as far as forums are concerned. So if you haven't signed up yet, it doesn't cost anything, go to JetNation.com, sign up. You can download our app. Um, you know, you'll see our articles. You'll, you'll get access to our podcast, YouTube. Um, you'll get to see the latest from our man, Green Bean, who's traveling all around the road, um, giving us Instagram and YouTube videos, which is great. So JetNation.com, definitely want to give that a follow. But, Dylan, do you want to cover the question that came from Deshaun? Um, from Jet Nation this past week? Yes. So the question from Deshaun, uh, he said, quote, I personally would sign a veteran quarterback as competition to Darnold, trade the first overall pick, and then trade down several times to get as many picks as possible. This team isn't a Trevor Lawrence pick away from being competitive. There's no reason to go back to the normal Jets plan of signing aging free agents who have one year left where we'll have a nice nine and seven or 10 and six season, then go back to cap hell and four and 12. So I I think you could take that one first and I'll follow up on any comments that I have. Yeah. I I think it was a great take that he had here. Um, I think the philosophy of, 
taking a, a, a great commodity and the number one pick overall and using that as leverage to get back as much compensation as you can is a lucrative plan. Um, we've seen other teams do it, and, you know, it's shown success. Um, at the moment, there's a lot of old aging quarterbacks that are not ready to retire yet. Um, but these teams are going to be looking for a new quarterback like Trevor Lawrence. So if the Jets do end up with the number one overall pick, that that's actually not a bad thing to have. Um, you know, obviously it puts Sam in a very, very um, interesting scenario here because some people have already, um, you know, moved on from, from Darnold and, and they're ready for Lawrence and, some people have already set in their mind that this is already happening. So I wouldn't advise doing it because I know that this team uh, for sure has let me down plenty of times. So I won't get my hopes up with that, but I really liked his perspective on this here. Um, I don't think we're one pick away from being competitive. Like he said, um, we have a lot of different positions to fill. So in the event that that's the route that Joe Douglas does, because that has been his theme as of late compiling as many draft picks as he can, for the future, um, that would definitely make a lot of sense. And, you know, I wouldn't want to fall back too far. Um, you know, if we could still stay within the top 10, top 15 um, and get, you know, stuff for 2022 and, and maybe an extra pick or two in 2021, um, I would have no problem with doing that. What do you think? So with Deshaun's question, I have to agree with him on half and then disagree with him as well on half. So the things that I agree with in his uh, in his quote were um, trade down several times, get as many picks as possible. Yes, I think the Jets have to do that. That's first priority for Joe Douglas is get more than the nine picks that we have now. Possibly in the 12, 13, 14 range would be more ideal. Not sure how easily that is to do with the current roster, but you know anything is really possible. And then the other thing I agreed with was that we are not a Trevor Lawrence pick away from being competitive. And although I don't think we are one pick away from being competitive, I think when you look at someone as polarizing as a Trevor Lawrence, especially when you have the uncertainties at head coach, I think that that might be the underlying factor in all of this is, hey, will this head coach come be the head they'll have Sam Darnold? And some coaches might not want that. So as much as I agree that we should keep Sam Darnold, possibly bring in a veteran next year, I I just don't think that that is the most beneficial plan for the overall organization. I think for the team, maybe in the short term, it could be the best thing to trade down, acquire more players, possibly attack a quarterback later. But I think the state of the franchise and the organization – currently says that you need a fresh start. You need to bring in a Trevor Lawrence. I mean, if we have the second pick of Justin Fields, possibly to pair with your head coach so that everything's kind of on the same timeline. You don't want to have a, a head coach in his, in his second or third year, a quarterback in his first year, and then a GM in his third or fourth year. You want to have everything kind of line up where the coach's contract and the quarterback's contract and the GM's contract all play into each other and Joe Douglas has five years left. So a new quarterback gets a five-year contract in the first round. That ties in really well with, with both of their careers. And then you add in a new head coach, four- or five-year deal there as well, and then everything just kind of looks cohesive, and it might actually be for the better. So I, currently I'm in the Trevor Lawrence camp, but it's very, it's very hard to part ways with Sam Darnold entirely as a Jets fan. Yep. Um, you know, and that was our next topic. Um, <clears throat> we're just under six minutes left here. So uh, we're going to do All a right. little bit of rapid fire takes here. Um, All yeah, right. You know, time flies when you're having fun, but Absolutely. Um, you know, Darnold's future was, was our next topic that we were going to go into. And, and I agree. I, I just think that he's too young. He's got too much talent. Um, you know, clearly Sam Darnold has been a project. Um, you know, his mechanics were something that was a big, big, um, I guess, factor when, when they, people were analyzing him 
before the draft. You know, Sam did not participate in the throws at the draft. I think he, he ran the 40. He was there for the interviews, but for some reason he didn't throw. And a lot of people were critiquing this windmill throwing style that he had. And, and he was working on correcting that. And people felt that he might have um, devalued his draft stock, um, you know, if he was, was a little off target and, and not in rhythm with some of the guys that are out there. Um, so that was what Sam's move was back then. And, you know, he had things with his footwork and other things like that. So, you know, these are the things that Loggins case, if they're still in the mix, um, for 2021, um, really need to focus in on are just the little things, find one thing that you want to work on and correct on and, and focus on that for next season. Um, and, you know, and at some point you're going to have to keep, you know, stacking, your, you know, what you want Sam to improve upon, you know, mechanics and footwork. Um, you know, once you start getting some better uh, results from there, you're going to see, you know, more accuracy coming from him. And then what they really need to do is, you know, and people think that this is a bad thing, being a game manager, being able to, um, you know, read the defense and make adjustments and, and make audibles and, and, kind of change the play or, you know, even call time out when you know that the play is not going to work and the, and the box is stacked against you. Hopefully those are the things that Darnold can improve upon. Uh, but I'm going to throw it back to you for your take. Um, and then you and I can go ahead and give our prediction for, for the Monday night football game. All right. So when it comes to Sam Darnold, I mean, I was a huge fan coming out of the draft. He was not, the quarterback that I thought the Jets were going to be in position to take. I thought coming out that we were going to be in a position more for a Josh Allen or a Josh Rosen. So I was surprised when we took Darnold. And I mean, right out the gates, you saw rookie mistakes and then he turned it around to end his rookie year. You know, everybody goes back to that, that famous green Bay loss in his rookie year where he went toe to toe with Aaron Rodgers and, you know, balled out. And they kind of cling to that experience. And I think that they want that so badly for Darnold right now. And it's unfortunate that those days are not coming back under Adam Gase. Um, So as far as his future, I mean, if they are going to keep Darnold, they absolutely cannot keep Gase. And by what Joe Douglas said yesterday, it's very hard to get a gauge on what the whole Gase situation looks like. So to me, Donald's regressing everywhere. It's in the stats. You see it. So, personally, it, it might just be time to move on. Yeah, you know, we, we're not going to go too, too far into it. It does seem like he, he said that Gase was part of the solution, which seems a little bit crazy. Um, but mm-hmm. we really don't know. At the end of the day, we know the Johnsons have a lot of control on what's going to happen here, and that's something – that we will be discussing in future episodes on whether or not if Joe Douglas and the Johnsons will be retaining Gase into 2021. Uh, we got to save some juice uh, for future shows here. We're at the 92nd yep. mark here. So let's do uh-huh. a, a quick fire here. I think the Jets are going to have their best offensive uh, performance of the season coming up against New England, who's been struggling a lot. I do feel that we're going to fall short but I'm going to go with a 20 to 21 or 20 to 17 outcome here. And uh, it's going to be a little bit closer than you think. What do you think, Dylan? Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. I wrote down 23, 21, not quite sure how the jets are going to obtain those 21 points, but I think this will be the best offensive game you see from them this year. That's my, that's my prediction. Yeah, you know, uh, we got 40 seconds here. So, Dylan, this has been a lot of fun, man. I can't wait to do this again with you. Um, You know, hopefully the Jets can figure out a way to contain Cam Newton. We know the New England Patriots are banged up as well. At two and five, things are not going well. I can't imagine what it's like for them after the Brady error. It's got to stink. Oh, yeah. To see them struggling, it's been been so great. Yeah, and and like we said with the fast starts earlier, that's – that's probably going to be the, the main focal point. If Loggins can come out and get these these offensive players firing, we get Denzel Mims firing, Michael Pirine going, I think we can jump out to an early lead and, 
actually steal this game from the New England Patriots, and I think that's a very fitting way 2020 to go. Absolutely. I think we're out of time here, but um, Dylan, like I said, it's been awesome, and I can't wait to do this again. Everyone, be safe, and we will see you again for another episode of Jet Nation Radio. Have a good one, folks. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!